This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to SeedlipDrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and the US and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. Again, that is SeedlipDrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 159. This one's going to be the best. <laughs> it is. I agree. We have Lindsay Girk tonight. So you might know her through TikTok, through Instagram. She brings funny videos and just like sentimental, heartwarming stuff every single day. It makes me smile. But we get into it. We talk about all things motherhood. We talk about hormones changing and, you know, how that can affect your PMS like it is for both of us. And then we just talk about the importance of finding positivity in every day, you know, little moments, little magical things that you can you can just kind of pull out and savor because parenting is chaotic, but it is so beautiful. And I really hope that you love this discussion as much as I do. I'm excited to listen. Yeah, no, you absolutely should, Shane. It is not one to miss. But babe... Cheers. All right. Where's Our, my glass uh, here? Okay. Non-alcoholic cocktail for the night. We got a seed lip and soda. So I'm with Spice 94 and just some soda water. Not the fanciest cocktail for another week in a row. Any explanation behind oh, it? Shane, I am wiped. I'm tired. See, you... Are the man? Are... <laughs> Sorry, I'm... I should let you finish. No, you're the man. But you're not, you're not around in the evening. So I'm like, you know, dinner for the kids, dinner for us, trying to clean up, trying to get the kids home from school. And then my job setting it for the podcast, and I'm just very, very sleepy. Well, you are the woe man because you've Thank been doing you. a lot, and it's it's tough to do all that alone. It's uh, basically you're a single parent throughout the week because I'm mm-hmm. going to work five days a week, which before the pandemic just seemed like status quo normal. Right now, my work allows us to go to work two days a week into the office. We can work from home three days. However, since I'm working on the show, I'm going into the office to Toronto, and it's quite taxing. I don't know how I ever did it before, <laughs> no. but I have a whole appreciation for, you know, working from home three days a week, and I can't wait to get back to it so our lives can normalize, become yeah. more functional and equitable. Well, it's tough because when you're in the office, like even if it was just you there five days a week doing, you know, the really long commute, that's exhausting. But then when you add another partner onto it who is then picking up the slack at home as well as working their own job it's like impossible. And the fact that anybody has to do that commute, you know, with families, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how we've been managing. I feel like we've been kind of just hanging on by a thread and the dishes in our kitchen sink are left to show for it. Yeah. (laughs) It's gross. It's bad right now. There's like leaning tower of pizza dishes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, 
We're not an improv comedy Disha. troupe, so thank God we can get away with that. So Shane, I was looking up. I don't know, just scrolling Instagram, right? When I was like on the toilet today, whatever. Yeah. And there was an article. I didn't go through it because I didn't want to go through it, but it was on Narcity. And they said, this TikToker shows all the green flags for dating, right? Because everything's been negative. What are the red flags? Whatever. So this takes a positive green flags spin on it. And then I didn't want to read the article because I didn't want to color my own opinion what I would come up with. But I wanted to ask you, green flags for dating, getting to know somebody, what are some things that they could do that automatically tell you, oh, this is good. This person is going to be a good person. I think being kind to a waiter or anyone around is is a good green flag. It's not to say that they're not just showing their best self on the first date and that they'll gradually devolve into a meanie. But I think it's a good sign. It's a good start. It's a good, you know, nice person is a nice place to start. But then do you think taking that one step further, that tipping well could be even a better sign because maybe they're just trying to show you their best self but then what they're typing in on the machine you know if they're like slack you know giving the waiter like 10 percent instead of you know 15 plus do you think that could be a sign yeah well i I don't i think under tipping isn't a sign of nice behavior so i'll couple that all together Mm -hmm. but being generous can be good it can be bad if some Someone's tipping 25%. That might be too kind. They might be very ill-equipped to handle finances. I thought you were going to say into the waiter. Oh, that could happen too. Yeah, that's a red flag. Um, What else is a good sign? Laughter is good. If if someone's devoid of laughing, Mm -hmm. even a good fake laugh on a first date, just to make you comfortable and you to feel like, oh, I can joke around. They don't all have to be home runs. That can be good. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to be phony either. So it's a, it's a balance. It's a nuanced balance that, you know, it's it's hard to calculate or tell a robot how to be. But I think inherently we all know how to be real. Shane, have you ever heard of Matchmaker Maria on Instagram? No. Okay. I just started following her account. Maybe the best account on Instagram. And I highly recommend everybody starts following her. She is, she's just got the most fascinating threads every day in her stories. So she's a professional matchmaker, like dating consultant. And people just write in with dating questions. And then she just gives them honest, very blunt advice in her stories. But it's always, it's typically really good advice, Mm -hmm. but she just says it so bluntly because she's trying to get through like a hundred in a day. Yeah. So she's quick. And it's been fascinating. I've been following for only like a week and it has been so fascinating. And she came out with a theory and I'd say this is like goes into the green flags conversation, but she has a Stanley Tucci theory of intimacy. Why don't you just tell me what it is? (laughs) So she said, if a man can appreciate and likes Stanley Tucci, and then by extension, she also added Pedro Pascal into the mix. Yeah. But if a man likes Stanley Tucci and she has a whole bunch of stuff to support this, it means that he is a giving lover and that he is going to be like sex positive in uh, like an equal way. Hmm. I don't know about that. Yeah. And then she put it to like all of her followers and people were like asking their boyfriends and husbands if they like Stanley Tucci. And 
everything was coming back. Like if the guy didn't know who he was or was like, ah, oh, I'm not a big fan. Then the women were submitting their evidence that her theory is actually right. Okay. Because yeah. they think Stanley Tucci, they're like, he's a man designed by women. And I mean, you watch him on that cooking show, like eating a plate of pasta, drinking some wine. He appreciates things. I would think Aquaman, would, Jason Momoa, <laughs> would be a man designed by women. No, it's because Stanley Tucci has that like gentleness. And then he just oozes this sex appeal that you would never expect solely based on like how he acts and his warmth and his... Jason Momoa is so warm, though. In a different way, though. He's too uh, jarringly sexy. Jason Momoa? Oh, yeah. And women wouldn't want that. Well, it, it can be uh, a little... It could take you back a bit, make you a little intimidated. Okay. You know who else was cute? Who? The delivery guy tonight who was flirting with me in the grocery app. Okay. I, I sent just... you the text. Yeah. He can't see your picture or anything. Nobody. I saw him when he came. And what happened? Well, he offered to bring the bags in the house for me. And I was like, oh, no, 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 this is okay. <laughs> was he bald wearing glasses and very tight-fitting clothing? He, ha he had glasses on. I don't know if he was bald or not. How did you know? Could have been Stanley Tucci. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, he was uh, He was pretty cute, though. But he was offering to like bring the stuff in the house. And I was like, no, no, no. That's, hmm. that's a little freaky, but. What am I thinking of right now? Oh, if the situation was reversed and I was saying this, I wonder how you would take that. Oh, I'd be jealous. I'm trying to make you jealous. You can't. Well, I'm... why Why try that, though? I'm not saying I'm falling for it, but why try? <laughs> that might be a red light scenario we're, we're heading into. Well, Someone trying to make you jealous. If that happens on a first date, that would be a red light. Look, red flag. And I Whatever. agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But I think after like eight years of marriage, I just got to be like, hey. Other people like me, Shane. The grocery guy who can't see my picture. There's an so air of mystery. Anytime I think someone likes me, I got to tell you. No, I'm already jealous as it is. Okay. But I think I think you're so cool all the time. How am I cool? Well, you're just like so uh, laid back and not the jealous type. Well, you're not trying to do anything to make me jealous, I would hope, except for tonight. I was just going to say. Right. <laughs> cool. Whatever. What else? You want me to ask a question? You're pointing yeah, at me. You got a couple, right? Yeah, mine are less article-y. Mine are more like when we used to do the date night episodes. Okay. Sometimes in an argument, there's the hyperbolized statement, you never do this. <laughs> what is something that I actually never do that I should start doing? Sorry, can you read that again? Sometimes in an argument, there's the hyperbolized statement, you never do this. What is something I actually never do that I should start doing? Okay. Well, it has like, to be something I actually never do. Not rarely, something I never do. What do you mean not rarely? Like that is... Well, when, you know, someone says you never do this, what is something that I never do? It can't maybe, okay, rare. You okay. can put it in a rare term. I'd say you never apologize first. Oh, I'm going to call you a big liar on that. <laughs> I think you're the liar. No, I, I don't think that's true. I truly don't. I Explain. truly don't. Explain? Okay. I do sometimes. <laughs> I think I always do first, though. No, well, I, I'm a, what I like to call, I'm a little apologizer. So I probably say sorry 
a lot more in the day than you really realize it for inconsequential things to be polite. I would say you are very lacking in, in that way, whereas you, it's very hard to get a sorry because for you, a sorry, it's less in the polite world. It's more of an admission of some strange guilt. Like you put a lot of weight on a sorry, whereas I don't put as much weight on it. So I feel like I do. Maybe I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quick to say sorry. I feel like that that's not true. Well, maybe in, you know, inconsequential things, like you said, like throughout the day. But I think when there is an actual disagreement or if I'm like, oh, I feel like you did this and it made me upset or it made me mad or made me sad, then you are slower to say sorry in that situation than me because hmm. maybe you, I don't know, maybe to you it's an admission of guilt and no, you I don't want to. I had wanna... a good sorry last week. Uh, there was something... <laughs> I had a good story. So to put that in the never category, I don't know okay. if that's correct. Oh, this is the first thing I could think of. I just heard the question. What do you say? What's my I never thing? Well, if we're saying something barely ever, I don't think you would ever venture to take the garbage out of the garbage bag and put it outside. I don't think you would ever do that. I did it last week. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even just saying that because you said that about the stories. I honestly took out two bags last week, put them in the garbage. The night before or like the on the Monday night or something. I don't know. It was a bunch of Christmas stuff. In your life, yes. how many times have you done that? Life. Life? Over under 10. Maybe 20. 20? In my life? I'll take the life at on home? my line challenge. At home, that was on my chores with my parents. This, okay, in this home, the last eight <laughs> years or whatever I've known you. More like 10 times. 10? 10. Ooh. Not over, not over. Oh, no. I'm saying 10. Okay. <laughs> Maxing uh, out. I'm not, 10. yeah, hey. You know. Okay, Shane, I got another never for you. Yeah, I, I know. I know my never. Laundry? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's that's what I thought you were gonna say. You you've taken <laughs> amino a counseling session. You're an asshole. That's what never. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, laundry. Yeah. That's I, your never. Let's keep it frivolous and fun here. Not <laughs> well, that's I was surprised by your question. I was coming up with you know, Stanley Tucci theories and how that means you're good at going down or something. This is a pre-written question. My question can't change my notes based on what you came in with. I didn't had no clue. You told me to write questions on the train. I didn't want to call an audible. <laughs> okay. What's your second question? Hey, yay. <laughs> what does your life look like in five years? And I'll add, am I included in it? It was just me and the delivery guy? Who knows? Um, no, obviously you are, Shane. I'm crazy about you. So life in five years, I don't know. You and I sitting pretty doing a version of what we're doing now, but maybe with more relaxing time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I say that because I really like what we're doing right now. I like the flow of things. It's just like a little too chaotic. So if we could be at a point where financially, career-wise, whatever, we can take it back a little bit and just have more free time. Yeah, I think you almost said it right there, career rise. Career rise. That's what needs to happen. Yes, it does. With the career rise comes more free time. <laughs> it's true. And there comes all the money raining down on us, hopefully, so you can take that free time. And I'm sorry if I haven't, uh, you know, been providing you enough free time <laughs> relaxation because... I want free time with you and like free time with the kids no, and I'm stuff like sorry, that. You know what I mean? Is all I'm saying. Shane, get out of here. Okay. I'm falling for it though. But yeah, 
I think I really love where we're at. I love what we're doing and I don't want to stop that. So I, I hope it's some version of what where we currently are and what we're currently doing. Because honestly, I'm having, if we're looking at the macro, I'm having a blast at this point in my life. Like this is such a fun phase where work is wild and chaotic and kind of unknown. Like I don't, you know, we don't really know what's going to come up the mm-hmm. next day. And I guess that's just being in media. And then parenting is such a fun phase right now. And I'm, it will be again in five years. The kids will be doing different things than they are now. It's going to be just as cute, just as chaotic. And it's a blast. But what about you? What do you think? What do I think or what do I want? Well, what do you want? Where do you see five years? Five years. How old am I in five years? 45. Okay. Money. <laughs> Trips. Woman. Older children. Yeah. Well, we'll be having a nine-year-old. Nine-year-old and a little seven-year-old. That's going to be wild. That's like they're Mm -hmm. full-on people at that point. Yeah. So I'm assuming they can look after themselves. Lots of date nights. (laughs) That is one big plus, Shane. Date nights and what? On Saturday mornings, they might even be able to come downstairs, pour their own cereal while you and I you know, hopefully sleep in a little later than like 5.30 a.m. Yeah. It's going to be, be good. good. Good life ahead. <laughs> Full steam. Lots of sorries. Lots, lots of, of thank yous. Lots of lots of laundry. Lots of Stanley Tucci watching that cooking show I like so Ooh. much. Yeah. See, I'd say that would be, if anybody's looking for a good date night, get out a bottle of wine, put on some Stanley Tucci with your loved one, and, you know, just start massaging each other. Give a smooch after the Tucci. <laughs> I like it. And I say, mm. with that, let's go to our interview with Lindsay Girk. Joe, just 16 minutes and 55 seconds in. Okay, this is early, but uh, we packed in a lot of laughs and good goodwill in there. All right, but before we get to this interview, let's <laughs> let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh. They're a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. They may be called Mini Miosh, but they're huge on comfort. it's true and although i did say kids and babies clothing company they have now come out with their women's collection oh man so it is called the m and west collection and these clothes i mean they're simple they are still high quality made ethically and sustainably and they're all like a french terry just like they sit so nice highly recommend them i'm in them basically every day when i get home from work right i know Mini Miage always believes in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics, whether it's for your kids or for you. And I mean like fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, timeless. It can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender. Want no secret? What? I wear a Mini Miage hat every day to work. You do? They say they don't make anything for men. They do, though. That hat is nice. Merino wool, isn't it? Yeah. Fancy, babe. I don't know what it is, but it feels the best. <laughs> you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order. They're available in Canada and the US. And again, that is minimiosh.com and ThisFamilyTree15. And I got to let you know, it is only one use per customer. So load up your cart yeah. for your kids, for yourself. Get that hat don't for waste, your husband. Don't waste it. Mm-mm. And now let's get to our interview with Lindsay Girk. Lindsay, it is so good to have you on this Family Tree Podcast. So you have been one of my, 
Like, I'm not going to out myself and say that I'm a total fangirl, but I'm, I get, I'm a total fucking fangirl. I love you. Oh. I think you're funny. I think you are so talented. Like, you're an amazing singer. You're hilarious. You find a balance between being super relatable in that way that we all love on Instagram where people can join in and like commiserate and talk about the things that are not so good, but then also talk about the beauty and the good things. And I feel like that's lacking sometimes online. And I I just think your account is wonderful. So thank you so much for sitting down with me today. And I want to start off by saying, well, asking you, I guess, how do you describe yourself? Who are you? Give us a little background. What is it that you do? <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> I'm still learning and figuring it out. I feel like I will always be <laughs> figuring out who I am and and what I'm doing. But um, yeah, I'm I'm a mom of two. I have a four year old son and a two year old daughter, and they bring me the greatest joy in my life. I love my husband. I went full time with social media content creation back in 2016. And then I got another job. I'm a formerly a broadcast journalist, the entertainment news lifestyle host and producer. So I kind of got into that and I went back into full-time in 2020. When we moved back home to Pittsburgh, we were living in Las Vegas. So we moved back home to Pittsburgh and um, I was able to focus on that and work anywhere, which is so nice. It's so good to be close to family. And um, I'm just really grateful for everything that's happened and the community that I see on social media, the kindness of everyone. Um, it's, it's a gift Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm just so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how did you get into, you know, talking about what you talk about? Because when you get in the motherhood community and our listeners know this, because we talk about a lot of the issues that we encounter often, but anytime you go public with anything, you're putting yourself out there to criticism, to other people's opinions, other people saying that your opinions are wrong and even family and friends being like, ooh, this is a weird path that they're taking. I might not understand it. So Mm -hmm. how did you kind of make that decision? I guess being in broadcast journalism made it a little bit easier for you, but how did you decide to take that leap and put your life as a mom out there? So when I started with, um, at first it was blogging and Instagram and I was just showing to give you like the full scope Mm -hmm. of everything I was doing uh, very fashion focused. I was looking at blogs all the time and I could not afford any of it. So I just wanted to show people how you can feel good and look good, um, on a budget. And that included thrift shopping and, um, everything like that. And then, uh, 2018, I had my son and was still kind of in the fashion, beauty, lifestyle scope of things, niche, I guess you could say. And 2020 hit and I was pregnant with my daughter. And I told my husband, like I was working at the station. I was doing my social media for for years at that point. And I told him I was so distraught and I was down on myself. I said, "I, I don't think I should do this anymore. I think I should just quit. I feel like nothing is going anywhere. And he said, don't quit. Just this TikTok thing. You like this TikTok thing. So just do that and have fun with it. So that's what I did. And I shared my first kid convo video. It, my daughter was a newborn. My son was two. It was mayhem all day, every day. Um, plus it was lockdown. So I felt extremely isolated. 
you know, I was away from my family and it all, I remember some uh, big time influencers reshared my videos and I thought, well, this is actually what I love to do. I would love to be able to share my journey of motherhood and show how laughter and humor can really make it so enjoyable because there are hard parts and there are good parts. So I want to share all of it. And I don't ever want to tell people what they should do or how they should do it. I just wanted to share my own experience and how I'm I'm going through things. And it made me remember a conversation, which I've only shared with like two other people, but I'll share with you. I was probably 22 or 23 years old. And I was on a conversation. I was on a phone call with my mom. And I said, mom, I don't want you to think that I'm conceited or anything like this, but I feel like if I could just get people's attention, then I could help in a greater way. And I don't even know what that is or how I can help. And I know that sounds crazy, but I feel like I feel this in my soul. And she paused for a long time. And I I thought we had lost connection. (laughs) I was like, do you think I'm so conceited? Hello? And she said, no, I think the same thing and it will happen. And I honestly, I forgot about that conversation until about a month ago. I'm like, I feel like I'm actually doing it. I just want to help people, especially moms and parents and maybe young girls who one day want to become a mother. I, I just, I feel like I found my calling and there's so much peace that comes with that. So, Mm -hmm. well, I love, so the kid convos videos that Lindsay's talking about, it's like, she pretends to be her kids and they have conversations together, but then also with her as the mother and she plays the kid and they're really freaking funny. And it's, it's funny because it's like, you know, my kid will stand there and whip off her diaper. Sometimes it's empty. Sometimes it's full of crap. And she does those things. And I'm like sitting there crying in my hand. And then I watch your video and I'm like, oh, okay, this is so normal. This is no indication of how I am as a parent. It's just something that we all go through. And it is hilarious when you can step back from the chaos and being tired and look at it. And it's so funny. And one thing that I think makes you stand out and makes any of my friends with this quality, like in my mom group, stand out, I think, is the positivity. And it doesn't feel toxic. Like it's not that toxic positivity where it's like, you know, your roof is caving in, the world is falling, and it's like everything's fine. It's not that. (laughs) It's like a realistic positivity. And I want to know how that factors in your real life. Like, are you a positive person or is that your character <laughs> in videos? How do you maintain positivity? So let's let's get on that for a bit because I am very curious about it. It's a, that is an awesome question because it's a journey that I've kind of been on. I've I think I've always been a very positive person, but when I was younger, that positivity came from ignoring things that were going on, not processing yeah. them, not allowing myself to feel anything, just pretending that I was in a fantasy land. I did that until I was 30, by the way. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I was about 33. And it just all kind of Pandora's box. I, I like to say that I put things in brain bins that I didn't necessarily want to deal with or think about. And then when my daughter was born, it just so happens that all those, that they have a shelf life and those brain bins kind of opened up. And then I went through a process of, okay, I guess I have to feel all of these things. I have to process them through prayer, therapy, stuff like that. And then I realized, well, I don't need to feel all of this forever. So you, it's kind of a way of, you know, let me feel this. Let me pray on it. Let me ask for help because I think once I just kind of 
give it up. I stop trying to control everything Mm -hmm. um, or plan too much. Then I can allow myself to feel those things and just be grateful for what I have. I think when we focus so much on everything that's going wrong or everything that we, you know, this isn't how life was supposed to be, or this isn't how this was supposed to work out, then we can really focus on the negative. So if you focus on all of the things that are making you so grateful, then you will have an abundance Mm -hmm. of that. So yes, I am a positive person and it took me from pretend, you know, just pretending to genuinely being happy for for everything, even mm-hmm. in the struggles, there is something to learn in each struggle. And I've realized that, and I can go back in my life. And I think a lot of us can do that and, and figure out what we've learned through each struggle. And that is a blessing in itself, I think. Yeah. So. And I, okay. So you mentioned letting go of control, right? Mm-hmm. And that is so interesting to me because that could be, I, I'm not an A-type person. So like I never have control and that's where I like to be. I like everything to kind of be chaotic because then it doesn't yes. mean I'm ever failing too much at any one thing. <laughs> but for a lot of people, I think that could be anxiety inducing, like give up control. Like I need to be in control. And I think that can be scary. And like, are who are you giving up control to? Like you mentioned prayer. Like, are you giving up control to God? Are you giving up control to to what? Yes, I'll pray. And I'm very specific in my prayer. I ask for strength. I ask for courage. I ask for guidance. And I ask, you know, if I'm supposed to take this path, please make it very obvious to me because sometimes (laughs) I don't see all the signs. So it's understanding too that I have control over my own emotions and how I speak and how I interact with people and how I deal with difficult situations. But that's about all that I can control. I can't control other people's thoughts or opinions or actions all I can control is my own. And I think, you know, when you're a parent, you obviously cannot control your children, nor do we want to. Um, so it is just kind of going with the flow on things and recognizing, you know, I'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty type A, but I'm disorganized in a lot of other ways, which is why I have a manager. She is so wonderful. I wouldn't be able to do any of this without her, but I recognized my um, weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we're supposed to help one of no- one another welcoming the people that can help you, um, recognizing your weaknesses and your strengths. So yeah, it's just giving up control to God and just kind of taking it day by day and trying to be as present as possible. Because sometimes when I think we, at least for myself, when I look too much in the past or I try and plan for the future, I just kind of, I'm never present. Mm-hmm. So I just want to be present all the time. Yeah. So that's how I, that's how I do it. <laughs> so then what do you do when, you know, like just say, everything is just in the gutter. Like nothing is going right. Your kid is doing whatever it is and that's your last straw. How do you Mm -hmm. take yourself, like you're being present, but how do you take yourself out of the chaotic moment where you're about to burst and Mm -hmm. then reframe it? Like, do you burst or are you able to in that moment kind of shift your perspective or whatever it is. I don't even know because I'm bad at doing it. Sometimes I will put headphones on just to kind of cancel out the noise when I'm feeling overstimulated. And my kids know that I explained, I said, I'm not doing this to ignore you. I can still hear you, but sometimes mommy gets a little, uh, there's too much going on in my mind. I'm thinking about too much. So I'll put it on for a second. I put some music on. We will have a dance party 
I just kind of shift it for Mm -hmm. all of us. And it usually does work. We say 30 second dance party and we dance in the kitchen and it usually ends up being a few songs and everyone's temperament kind of changes. And um, sometimes that doesn't even happen until, you know, the later half of the day. And I make a decision like I'm not going to let this be the day where mommy was so worried about trying to get work done or laundry or, you know, crap hit the fan. And I kind of know I needed to focus on that. So I will do something with them because I want them to remember that one thing, which is usually what they do. Like, oh, it was crazy. And then we did a puzzle. They don't remember the crazy of the morning. They remember the puzzle that we did or the cookies that we made or the paper airplanes. You know, it doesn't need to be anything grandiose, Mm -hmm. just a small thing and time spent with, with them and which I enjoy as well. So it's, it's recognizing, okay, I'm a little, this is a little overwhelming. How are we going to change it? And I think coming up with a game plan, which is something that is within my control, um, definitely helps that and helps everyone too. Mm -hmm. My kids as well. Yeah. So, you know, like mentioning praying, if you don't mind, I, I did not plan to go down this route, but if you're comfortable with it, it's my favorite. (laughs) Okay, so I, uh, born and raised Catholic, mm-hmm. went through a period of like total burn it all down atheism. Mm-hmm. Uh, now just kind of coming to terms with things and going along at my own pace, whatever, figuring out all my beliefs. I'm hopeful that there's something, but I don't know. And that's where I like to be. But because of my background in as Catholic, when something goes wrong, obviously, that's when I find myself like praying or doing anything remotely similar. Or like if somebody dies, there's a tragedy. That's when I do that. I have a mm-hmm. hard time knowing how to talk how to like talk about family stuff in prayer. And, you know, I think like I don't know what what denomination are you of anything? Uh- my my background grew up Catholic. I decided at the time of confirmation, I think you're about 13, 14 mm-hmm. years old, that I was going to then go to a Presbyterian church that none of my family went to. <laughs> so that was interesting. Were there hot guys there or something? Like, how does that happen? A friend took me and they had a really good youth program. So I just, I felt like at that time, I wasn't getting much from church. I needed to talk to people who are going through what I was going through when you're 13 or 14 years Mm -hmm. old, you know, it may seem minor to us adults, but it's pretty big when you're younger. And now my husband go to non-denominational or just Christian. And I believe that it is, and some people can agree or disagree with this, but it's a relationship. So if you're talking about prayer, I talk to God as he is my friend standing Mm -hmm. in the room. And one way that got me into praying more is whenever I would see, this is just something that I did, um, consecutive numbers. How many times do you see 1111 on a clock or 222, 333? If I ever see that, even if it's on the gas meter or, you know, anywhere, I will pause and say a prayer of gratitude and ask, um, you know, for strength or whatever's going on in that moment. Mm -hmm. I think that's an easy way for people who maybe don't know how to pray because it is very easy. Um, and he always wants to hear from you. And I have so many experiences from my life that have shown through my struggles, he has guided me and made me stronger. I mean, for instance, I prayed about PMDD. I had that, it got worse after my daughter and it was really bad. It was pretty scary. And I I believe that I have that. That's been a big struggle for me. I've been talking about it so much in my podcast lately. And so this is very fascinating. Yeah. 
And it, as you know, it's, it's really bad. It's depression, Mm -hmm. you know, and for me, it was a week to a week and a half before my period. I had it in my calendar. I knew when it was coming and I was praying, please take this away. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why, like, what am I doing wrong? And it wasn't anything that I was doing wrong. And I remember crying one day on my bathroom floor, I got on my knees and I said, whatever that get teared up, whatever this is, I will trust that you are going to use it for good. So give this to me for as long as I need to have it. And um, I will trust that this will all work out. I need to learn something clearly. The next month, I had no PMDD symptoms at all. Um, The month after, again, nothing. And I told my husband, I'm like, I think I'm supposed to share this with people. Like this is, I have done everything, everything, therapy, vitamins, like trying to get outside, change my mental scope. And I said, I have to say something. So I did, I shared something on Instagram stories and it's been six months now, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe TMI, but I just got my period last night. I'm like, oh my gosh, I told my husband (laughs) nothing again. (laughs) And I think it was just trusting and and using it. And I think maybe this is the reason why, Mm -hmm. you know, there, because Sometimes you have to go through it. If if you are called to help others, you can't help others if you haven't gone through it yourself. Yeah. And so now when someone is reaching out, I don't just sympathize. Like I feel bad for you. I can empathize. You're in that ditch. I have been in that ditch and I will climb down the ladder and sit in there with you until we can both come out on the other side. So I feel like that was, um, that was why that happened. But, and what a miracle, six months, you That's know, is, is excruciating sometimes. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful for that struggle. No, thank you so much for sharing that, honestly. And I, I didn't even know you went through that. I missed that. I yeah. did not. <laughs> so maybe here's one of the reasons that we're connecting, but yes, yeah, I, I didn't know you went through that. And when you described it as being in a ditch, I think that's the best way to put it because- it just it comes on like yes. out of nowhere it is mm-hmm. so all encompassing like it kind it envelops me in just this like anger and sadness and hopelessness basically yes. and it gets scary sometimes the thoughts that you have like it gets scary but it only lasts for like i don't know like 10 days which is yes. long it's a long 10 days every month yeah but did you did you suffer from postpartum anxiety or depression or was that your kind of first brush with it? I get asked that and I was never diagnosed. Although I remember when my daughter was born, I was like, I don't know what's going on with me because again, it was only sometimes. So I do think that my brain chemistry, my hormones just shifted so dramatically after my daughter, but I, I kept looking at those online questionnaires and it never fit. So who's to say, I didn't, Mm -hmm. but I was not diagnosed and it didn't seem to fit with what I was going through. How, and at the same time I was going, not only was 2020 what it was, I was also going through some personal things and, you know, kind of starting this healing journey of some, some stuff I I don't even talk about because not even family knows. So I chalked it up to, okay, hormonal changes. And also I have to get through some of this stuff. So I don't know. I think it was situational, mm-hmm. but it, it could PPA, PPD could have, could have had a role in that. I just, mm-hmm. I really, I, I don't know for certain. Yeah. No, I, I ask only because like I, I'm trying to find reasons why I am going through the PMDD. Like it, 
it doesn't make sense to me. I thought it all was over because like I had postpartum anxiety, but this is different. It's different because it's more of that like depression rather than just being anxious and nervous and all those feelings. And it really is scary. So maybe maybe this is when I, I take a page out of uh, the book of Lindsay Girk and start trying <laughs> to tackle it in ways that I uh, wouldn't have considered before. There is light at the end of the tunnel and we all have to go through something. And um, I do hope that you find your peace and I hope God's able to help you because he definitely helped me. And um, it is scary. Mm. I, it is. I remember laying on the floor crying. I was doing laundry and my husband told me like, I know you don't want to like go on any kind of medication or anything, but he's like, this breaks my heart to see you struggle mm-hmm. like this. And I'm like, it's all just bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I don't understand. And I hate, you know, you don't want to have anyone of your loved ones feel bad for you. So uh, I think oftentimes as women, we kind of try and do things in secret. We kind of try and suffer in secret as to not bring other people down. But yeah, it's a, it's a scary place. And to think some people go through depression at all times, mm-hmm. it's not just before their period or anything else. So, um, I feel for those people and there is help and there is hope. Yeah. And you mentioning that women go through a lot of things in secret is so, so spot on. You know, I think about the women in my life when I was a kid and just the amount of work they'd put in, you know, at home, out like at work in their careers everything. And it went largely, not entirely, but largely unrecognized. And then even as kids, like I wasn't as grateful. And I think I was a very grateful, nice kid, but I don't even think I was as grateful because I just didn't, I didn't know, or I didn't realize, or I didn't see other people, you know, thanking and being grateful for the amount of work that the women were doing. And that kind of it kind of stuck with me and that took me to like a place of reckoning when I became a mom. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, 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 hold on. This is not what's going to happen. <laughs> I can't deal with this. It is not serving me. It is not making me happy. Mm-hmm. We need to attack parenting from a, a place of e- equity, equality, whatever. And yes. it needs to be like that. And w- what was your experience with it? Like growing up, what did you see and how did that impact how you parent? Um, well, my parents split up. They got divorced when I was eight years old and my sister was two, one or two. And then we had a blended family. They both remarried. I got, I mean, you know, glass half full type of kid. I was like siblings. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've always wanted a huge family. So it was always kind of, you know, sad at times, but fun. Cause it was just my normal, yeah. you know, every other Christmas and dinners with my dad during the week, but I had very involved parents. I, I wish I could talk to my mom. She, she passed away in 2018 when I was pregnant with my son, but I wish I could tell her, thank you for all the things that she, she did and juggled. And I don't know. It's my husband, you speak on equality when it comes to parenting. I feel like my husband and I have kind of gotten to that point mm-hmm. where we share duties. And some of ours are the, oh, what's the word for it? Gender specific, you know, yeah. like I like to do the laundry because I do it the way that I like it. Those towel, <laughs> towels got to be <laughs> half, half thirds, my man. It's been 11 <laughs> years. 
<laughs> um, and then he does the trash, which is typically a guy's job. But then we we split responsibilities, especially with the kids, because we both want to be so involved in their lives. So I don't know. It's just kind of finding what works best for you. And I am grateful that my husband is so appreciative and grateful of what I do for our family. And mm-hmm. I feel the same way. For him. So sometimes I think when you want to be appreciated a little bit, you have to appreciate the person who is also part of your life. Even if it's just a small thing, just start showing them gratitude, a little post-it note, bring them coffee in the morning because that goes a long way. It does. It does. And, you know, Shane's thing is always don't treat people how you want to be treated. And I say this all the time. Don't treat people how you want to be treated. Treat them how they want to be treated. So know how they respond to gestures and acts and love and whatever. And if you want to show them love, show it in the way that they respond to it, right? Yes. And it's it's so tough. Like parenting, you, so you said 11 years you guys have been together. Um, actually, it's longer, 20, 2008. So what's that? <laughs> this is our eight-year marriage, seven, eight plus seven is 15. So 15 years together. That's amazing. And yes. so like, you know, I mean, because that 15 years, that's taking you from relative youth, I would say, into adulthood. Like, because I do not consider your 20s adulthood. I consider that relative <laughs> youth. At least for me, I was an idiot in my 20s. Same. And, <laughs> and then through all of that and all of that change and all of that growth through marriage, through kids, through the pandemic, all of that. And a relationship at that point, like Shane and I have been together for seven years. And even in that, there has been immeasurable change and growth. And mm-hmm. it's sometimes hard to quantify, but you go through moments of like, I've, well, I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I have gone through moments of feeling resentful, of feeling like things weren't as equal as they can be. And we've been getting to a place where we can talk about that better. And we've been finding ways to make our relationship work, right? And if we don't see eye to eye on something, we'll work at it until we see more to eye eye on something. Yes. How do you guys tackle issues like that? Because I know everybody's got a different method. It's definitely communication. I don't know. I feel like we're in such a good spot now. But I think there comes a time in everyone's marriage when you're with kids involved too, because you're trying to find it out before, you know, it's just you and your partnership and it's equal and everything, you know, you're like, we're ready for a kid. And then there's this other little human being that you're both responsible for. And, you know, if you're breastfeeding too, there's only so much that the dad can help with. Mm -hmm. And oh gosh, breastfeeding is so difficult. You know, the, the nights and you pumping if you're working and trying to find a decent spot to pump. And so we, we have conversations and for instance, he's been waking up with the kids in the morning because I haven't been sleeping well. Our oldest has been coming into our bed and he likes to be like right up against (laughs) my face when he's sleeping. So he's been, my husband's great. He wakes up with them in the morning. And I asked him the other day, it's like, do you feel like you're taking on too much in the morning? Please wake me up. I, cause he'll turn my alarm off. He's like, well, you were sleeping and Ollie was sleeping too. I'm like, oh no, I need to get up. But just having that open conversation, telling him I'm grateful for that. Um, And if something does come up, we sit down, we have a team meeting, um, usually Sunday or Monday nights. We go over our schedule, what's happening that week and anything that we might want to talk about. And it's good because you are in a partnership. 
you know, with love and everything like that, but also your family, you're the heads of your family. So, and not only are you the heads, you're also the foundation. So it's important to have those conversations. If you are happy about something, if you want to keep going with something, or if you want to change something and doing it in that time of our team meeting makes it a little less like, uh, you're going to snap before everyone the door in the morning. Cause you don't want to do that. I like to take on the role of Mr. Rogers. Do you remember Mr. <laughs> of course that's, I can see this too, Lindsay. I can see this happening. Oh my God. I, I adore him. I recently got into some of his videos and we got some, I think you can buy them on Amazon for the kids because he just had the best messages that were, that are kind of getting skewed in today's world. And, and he was talking about mental health way back when. Mm -hmm. So I kind of take on the role of Mr. Rogers and what he would say and do and how he would explain things to not only my husband, but my children as well. So I don't know. I'm just trying to do the best that I can. And I keep learning every day. Well, that's, (laughs) that's all of us. I think until we die, literally, (laughs) unless you just give up and decide to be like, you know, like my dead grandmother who was the best just decided at like 80 years old she was just not gonna try anymore she was gonna be a bitch to everybody in the world except for me <laughs> and I wasn't complaining <laughs> it worked You're for her. The benefits, yeah. right. <laughs> all right Lindsay we're gonna take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by we are supported by True Worth, and if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I have been on a mission to reduce our environmental footprints true One way that we're doing this is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household. Because with two kids and a lot of laundry between the four of us, like you can look at our room right now, our laundry rooms become like a graveyard for clothes and detergent bottles. And it's just, it's such a mess. Are you saying there's detergent bottles everywhere? Well, it used to be like that. You know there's no plastic jugs allowed in this household. We discovered True Earth laundry detergent like a year ago. And since then... Plastic jugs have stayed outside. This detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips and you simply rip them apart and toss them in your wash. They are amazing. And they recently just came out with a fabric softener, which I have to be honest, I have never used a fabric softener in my entire life until True Earth came out with theirs. They're changing lives. Yeah. Changing habits. And again, the soluble strips, you put it in with your detergent and it is just, it's easy. It takes up no space in your laundry room. Does the fabric softener, is it making fabric softer? Is yes. It? Okay. Did you know there's like- Literal thing. Yes. I, I didn't know the purpose before I started using it. And now I can't stop using it because my stuff is just nicer. It feels mm-hmm. good when it comes out. It's not crunchy. You know how towels sometimes get crunchy? <laughs> yeah, it's gross. And as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we typically opt for the baby detergent because it's fragrance free. It's gentle on everybody's skin. It's still so tough on dirt. But Shane and I, for our stuff, like the Lilac Breeze scent, typically, and we highly recommend that one. (laughs) But check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. You're going to love this product. Take our word for it. And again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get back to the conversation. Talking a little bit about how, you know, your spouse has come into play or your partner's come into play. Because even if, like, I breastfed and I didn't want him to bottle feed in the night, I wanted to injure that experience. The good parts of it, the hard parts of it, everything. So I was the one. I was getting, you know, 45 minutes of sleep every night because I couldn't sleep. I was breastfeeding constantly. It was really hard. But he was still there. And his job in that period was, like, taking care of me kind of. Yes. And again, everybody works that out differently. 
But you have something that I think is so powerful that you talk about. And I think it relates perfectly to this. And it's the getting your pink back. Mm-hmm. And because parent, like if I'm doing all that with the kid and then my husband is needing to find ways to help me, both of us are kind of, we're getting exhausted. We're losing our sparkle. We are going freaking through it, right? That's yeah. going to cause arguments. That's going to cause you as a person to have to say like, okay, how do I re- recalibrate? How do I find myself again? So mm-hmm. if you can explain the whole getting your pink back for the listeners, I think it's such a powerful thing uh, to kind of end on. So I, I was told this fun fact about flamingos. It was at on a girl's trip. It was my first girl's trip, I think, since I had children. And my husband encouraged me to go, even though I was a little bit scared. I had never met these women before, but I went and it was the most amazing time. So this woman, this who's now a friend, um, her name's Natalia. She said, did you know that flamingos, both male and female can actually lose their pink coloring while they're raising their young because so much of their food and their energy goes to their chicks. So immediately I'm tearing up. She's tearing up people around her too. And she goes, but they get it back. And I was like, I feel like I'm getting my pink back. I feel like I'm starting to do that. She goes, me too. I want more of it. I'm like, me too. So we just like are crying over this brunch. And I came home. I think it was the next day. I just posted a little TikTok because I'm like, this is so beautiful not to share. And it resonated clearly with us and um, with a lot of other people as well. And they said, I want this on a t-shirt. And I thought, okay, you know, I made t-shirts in my sorority. Like how hard could it be? Did not realize any of this. So, um, and people just started kind of coming into my life. Like, Hey, I know a girl and I know this guy that does this and we can make this happen. And do you have that? Everyone just showed up. Mm -hmm. So it it happened despite, like I, I had no plan and it's been I'm so happy that the message is being spread. I'm so happy to see people wearing these sweatshirts and t-shirts and um, I'm able to use part of the proceeds to give monetary donations. So it's not just spreading the message. It's helping people financially who may need that as well. And it's just been such a beautiful thing. And, And through it all, I ended up getting a lot of my pink back because it was something that I could do that I was passionate about outside of motherhood or being a wife. I felt like I don't know. I felt like I was making a difference in some small way. And I know that might seem silly. It meant a lot to me and it it helped me get to where I am today. And that is because of everyone who showed, who asked for it and showed their support. So I hope, I do hope that people, I don't know. I hope the message keeps getting spread and I hope it gives hope and encouragement to mothers and fathers who feel like maybe they've lost themselves a little bit since becoming a parent. It's just all part of the journey. And even the animal kingdom goes through that sometimes. (laughs) Well, see, it's it's the conversation with your mom where she took that dramatic pause on this on the phone when you were like, I think I gotta get a platform and be out there. It's that yeah. coming to realization. And I think like something I'm struggling with right now, not only getting my pink back, which I, I do more every day, but doing what I want to do without holding myself back, without letting kind of like self-doubt cloud the way for me and it sounds like that is something that you are very skilled at and it sounds like something that you're doing and uh I just I want to congratulate congratulate you for that uh because I think it's great and where can listeners go if they want to check out these shirts if they want to follow you along on socials see anything else you're doing where can they do all that Lindsay um at Lindsay Girk Lindsay with an EY 
G-U-R-K. That's my handle on TikTok and Instagram. That's mostly where I do things. So um, we just sold out of the restock for Ooh. Get Your Back. But uh, shopwithmeager.com. We're going to come out with a second drop, a neutral line, which I think maybe you would like. I love so, it. Yeah. So that's where you can find me. And I d- thank you so much for having me on. This has been such a wonderful conversation. And um, I'm really happy I got to talk with you today. I'm so happy that I got to talk with you. Honestly, Lindsay, these conversations are not only like my work and what my passion, like what I like to do, but it's some of the only social time I get. And I really love it. So thank you so much for hanging out with me this morning. Thank you. And can I just say one more thing? Of course. As someone who used to be the one doing the interviews, I find it incredibly difficult to be on the other end. Um, You've made it so easy and genuine, and I think you're very good at what you're doing. So you're exactly doing exactly what you should be doing, and you should be proud of that. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day. And seriously, like I love that I connected with you. And uh, oh, I, actually, I, I actually have some more questions for you that I'm going to slide in your DMs for. But Okay. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Take care, Lindsay. Bye. Bye. Lindsay Girk. I really like her. She's one of the most likable, fun, perfect guests, I think. Yes. And when I said that I was interviewing her, Shane, I cannot tell you how many people started like frantically DMing me saying mm-hmm. how much they like her. It's so contagious. Yeah, some people have that thing, you know? Yeah. No, she has, she's got she's it. She's got it, yeah. Okay, well, is it question time? It is, baby. Hit me with something good. All right, so folks, this is the mailbag segment. Oh, sorry, I got to intro. Mailbag segment. So people sending questions to Alex. Alex researches or just pops up in her head the answer to the questions, and that now she's going to say them, and I'm going to contribute with her. Why? You don't like that? <laughs> well, I'm wondering if we should just do that part over. Why? Oh, I guess not. All that right. was good. All right, that was good. Erica, take out me saying let's do it over. What? But no. and then no, but and then keep what we have. This has been the best intro. This people got <laughs> this is raw and unfiltered, this podcast. <laughs> okay, Erica's our editor for those that don't know. But the first question. What celebrity couple that is still together has shocked you the most? And which celebrity couple surprises you that they're still together? So it's kind of asking two of the same thing, but I was shocked to see how long Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn were together. Shane, do you know how long they've been together? 48 years. 40. Oh, okay. Married, at least, I think. I don't know. But they've been together for 40 years. That is phenomenal. Especially, I think about their days in Hollywood and like kind of that era that they're from. And that was, in my mind, a real philandery era. So for a couple, and they're one of many... To still be together. We're not saying they didn't philander the shit out of each other. Did they? I don't know. I'm just saying we're not saying that. But they stuck through it. They stuck through it if they did. So I'm not saying they they did or didn't. Mm -hmm. I want to look into that now. Uh, And then the couples that shock me that they're still together. So Matthew McConaughey and Camilla Alves. I thought they broke up. When I was doing research for this question, I was looking them up and I thought they broke up after the Oscars when he was getting all close with Lady Gaga after that. What's that movie, A Star is Born? Because they were like duetting together. And Wait, are you talking about Bradley Cooper? Oh, shit. What? Yeah. Why did you say Matthew McConaughey? Well, because he's the one with Camilla Alves and I was just getting confused. So you know what? Oh. Matthew McConaughey, Camilla Alves. I wish them the best of luck. They uh, are off my list now. Because okay. I was getting confused. Next up, Enrique Iglesias, Anna Kornikova. They have been together. Do you know how long? 
20 years. 22. Very good guess. And he like makes out with girls at a concerts. Like full on. How do you know that? I've seen footage. That's what I'm doing. When's the last time you saw footage of Enrique making out at a concert? A few weeks ago. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I love Enrique uh, and I'm buying tickets to one of his concerts in the next little bit. Terrible, terrible. Because <laughs> just for the people at home, Alex is not buying tickets to this concert. <laughs> she's still trying to make me jealous as if buying a ticket to the show is going to mean she's going to kiss him. Well, what? He's going to walk by me. He's going to feel my Polish energy and he's going to be like, you. All I'm saying is weird joke you know what I'm gonna for, say? for the audience to assume that's what you meant. <laughs> Only I would know that's what you meant. So you got to complete the joke. Now you are. That's good. But I'm going to say Enrique. Yeah. I am married. Okay. So it's still going. This is <laughs> so, good. Then shocked that they're together because of that life that he lives with women gawking over him. He's kissing him at the concerts. Well, she's equally as gawkable. No, she's gawkable, but she's not going out of her way to like make out with strangers. I don't think. You don't know what she's doing. And when she was a tennis player, she was putting herself out there. You know, she was on the cover of Maxim and I was gawking over her, if you know what I mean. (laughs) What? And now, see, now I'm getting jealous. Okay. And then. I was a big gawker back then. (laughs) You're grossy. But Shane, anybody. who would Who would you put on this list? For shocking? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well. Are Pam Anderson and Kid Rock still together? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't think they are. Yeah, okay. Anyone Pam Anderson's with right now, I'd be shocked. Because she seems like she's um she goes through people quick, like marriage is fast. Um is Elizabeth Taylor still married? Is she still alive? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Pam, by the way, is coming out with a book. Ooh. Like it's coming out in the next couple of weeks. It might be out already. But it's her that. version of everything that's happened. Like she gets detailed with her whole life because she wants to have her side of everything out there. Jeez. Yeah. Got to go through every version of someone's life, eh? Like it. Okay. Let me think of a real one. Mm. Okay. Is Jude Law married? I don't know. Okay. Well, give me one more second here. Dave, Dave Franco and Allison Brie. Oh, are they still married? That would be yeah, shocking they, to me. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. I guess merely because it's the only thing I could think of. And I think young celebs go through things quickly. So they're kind of more wholesome classic yeah. relationship than most. You know who is one of the cutest couples that I came across in looking at like, you know, longtime celebrity relationships? Who's that? Uh Ted Danson and Steenberg. Oh, yeah. They are the cutest. Like, they both kind of have the same vibe. Because they, they both got divorced seem... on the show, but not in real life, yeah. right? Yeah. And they've been together for, like, I don't know, upwards of 40 years. Adorable couple. But love does win sometimes in Hollywood. Next question. Mm. If you were done having kids and your husband didn't want to get a vasectomy... What would be your approach, especially if the woman was done wanting to take birth control? So I haven't taken birth control in about 10 years now. I think I've been off of it for a decade, which has Mm -hmm. been so good for like my body and my migraines and things like that. Um, I don't want any more children. And I used to think I was like adamant about Shane getting a vasectomy, but it turns out I actually just don't care uh, if you do or not. And... 
what, what's the what's the fancy term? Coitus interruptus. Coitus interruptus. Well, I well as a podcast, you know, I'm not saying we're giving professional advice, but I don't know if everyone's good at coitus interruptus. Some people might think they're, but you're liable to slip up potentially. Also, not that I I have I have never, but you'd think one time something could happen, mistakes happen. Well, even even. Apart from that, in pre-ejaculate, there is still sperm. There are still sperm cells. that yeah. There's just fewer, but there are, and they could go and fertilize the egg. I think abstinence is the best policy in this situation. <laughs> really, it's, the only, it's 100% effective. You sound like a high school teacher. Yeah. Or you could just, you know, not have sex. You just wear a condom. Yeah, but, you know, I don't love a condom. We're talking about the general population, Shane. We're I also- know, but I don't think the general population loves a condom either. If we're talking about married couples, what if you just, what's the fancy word for oral sex? Or it might be oral. Um, cunnilingus. Yeah, just do cunnilingus all the time. And be a young Stanley Tucci. <laughs> yes. Embody the Tooch. The Tooch. I think that's great advice. Uh, next question. Maybe just get snipped if you're a guy, but continue. If we ever saw in the headlines that you got arrested, what would it be for? I think mine would be from doing something silly like um, like mooning somebody. And then somebody would be like, hey, you're not allowed to do that here. They're arresting you for this? Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. It's public nudity. It's just a butt, but, you know. But, but. <laughs> it's your eighth warning tonight. <laughs> Lock her up, boys. Imagine you got the death penalty. I wonder if that's possible to do something so innocuous, but repeatedly to the point where you get the death penalty. Well, I mean, if we like, womp, womp, but I could easily get the death penalty for mooning if I was in, you know, certain countries in the world, like Like, Iran and everything where they're imprisoning women. Who do you moon? Oh, just anybody. Anybody. Like, I don't mean they just shoot you. I mean, you go to trial. Yeah. Well, it it would be a sham trial. Sham, okay. Obviously. And then you could 100% as a woman get killed for mooning in various you, countries. Yes. As, as a tourist. Oh, Shane, did you not discriminate? Yes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> They're clearly discriminating against women, but they don't discriminate. What discriminate, kind of woman yeah. doesn't matter? Okay. What That's about interesting. You? What about you? What would give me the death penalty? No, what would just get you arrested? Rested? Okay. I feel like, I don't know, maybe doing taxes wrong or something. Or Oh, that's a good one for me too. Yeah, something that I wasn't intending. I don't think anything I would do purposeful. It would have to be an accident. Also, I'm very worried about hitting someone with my car by accident. So I'm super aware of my surroundings. I'm very worried about people who do rolling stops on stop signs because one of my biggest fears is hitting someone accidentally and getting like, I don't know, manslaughter charge or something. No, the taxes thing uh, makes me a little bit terrified because every single time that we do our taxes and we even have a tax guy, every time we do them, I just get nervous. I'm like, why, why do we have to do this? Why can't you just tell me the amount? I'll pay it. And if I think that it's not the right amount, then I'll look through all my receipts. You know what I mean? Why do I have to sit there for three days straight? Well, it's in their benefit because they know <sighs> everyone's not lawyery. Some people take advantage of the tax system, but by and large, the majority of people do not know what the F they're doing and do not claim things properly or 
It's keep exhausting. the receipts or everything's so annoying in this life. Yeah. But like the movie, everything all at once said, if you are going to go through taxes and what's the other thing? Taxes and. Oh, they, I was more awake for this than you. How do oh, I? They talk about two things, taxes and something else. Well, they talk about the annoyances in life in that movie. And then the man and the woman talk about how if you're going to go through that, you'd only want to do it with that person. Mm-hmm. It was a good moment. Oh, taxes in the movie. and laundry. Taxes and laundry. Two annoying things in life. So that's why finding a good partner is so important. Who does your laundry? And uh, yeah, who does? <laughs> yeah, you do the taxes. Too, kind of. I got nothing. You Keep bring out the garbage bag. Moving on. I saw an article on reserving hotel sunbeds with your towel. Do you guys do this? Do you think it's selfish to do, or is it a well played move? What the hell is this talking about? Okay, so you know when you go on vacation and like maybe by the pool or by the beach, people will wake up at like, I've seen people or heard of people talking. They wake up at like 6 a.m., 5.30, and they will bring down towels from their room and put them on a sunbed to like reserve it. So then when people start filtering down at like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, there's no more beds left because all these people got up at 5.30, put a towel down, and don't even intend on going until lunch. Oh, if you have the gall to do that, you are definitely an A-type 40-year-old woman who is like an elitist, or you're probably a senior citizen. I don't think any normal person is doing it. Man or woman elitist, by the way. Not just. I just mean it's... It elicits an image in my mind that is of an elitist like person. And I'm thinking of like a resort that you would see on White Lotus or something. But good for you for waking up that early and doing it. <laughs> You're begging to have some sort of weird conflict oh, with someone. So there's a lot of anxiety associated with it. You probably want that conflict in some weird way. Um you're asking for someone to steal your towel, pull mm-hmm. some move on you. You're definitely gonna have a story probably after the vacation with aggressive or passive aggressive behavior in some way so i think you attract drama in a weird way if you're doing that too so if you do it yeah with great risk there's great reward i suppose i would never do it for all the anxiety it would cause me and you gotta disrupt your sleep if i wake up at five or six to do that i'm not getting back to sleep and what an annoying thing i'll just sleep on the sand i like being in the water anyway so i wouldn't do it yeah like I don't think that we've ever gone to take up space, like take up a sunbed or something like that, if we weren't going down to use those facilities immediately. Honestly, it would just feel weird because I'd feel bad. You know, you see somebody looking for a spot. They want to use the pool right then. But then I was thinking, if that's the culture, and I haven't really been to a place that's been like this, but I know some resorts are just from hearing people talk, where it's like the culture where everybody does that. I talked to the hotel. Like, get on it. Be like, hey, this person's thing was here for ages. Can I sit here? Get the hotel to move it. Like, I don't like it. I don't care. All the towels are the same anyway. You could just claim ignorance. Yeah. I guess if I want to be funny and bad and like get some revenge. (laughs) Ultimately, I'm in the water that whole time. I don't care. I've got kids. I've got bigger things to worry about. Like, I don't want a towel to become my wake up call. I already have children to do that for me. Like yeah. an, it's like having another child that you gotta worry about. But there should be rules. Like the hotel should have rules saying that you can't do that because I do think that is ridiculous and I do think it's selfish, honestly. Because you're just blocking somebody else for hours. You know what I mean? If it makes somebody happy, happy, I hope it does. 
And I hope their intentions are not to start a fight or anything. All right. Why? No. All right. No, that works. I just think if it makes somebody happy, sometimes the people that are happy are like Jeffrey Dahmer butchering people up. And it's like, well, that made him happy, but it wasn't the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Good analogy. Thank you. Next question. How do you only wash the top of your hair? I actually just made a video on it yesterday and I'll be putting it up on Instagram soon. So you can see that fascinating (laughs) journey. I actually just made a video on that (laughs) yesterday. Maybe you saw it. (laughs) It's not up yet. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just put the, I section off the hair that I want to wash at the top of my head. I put everything else in a really tight bun. I'd like the nape of my neck. I stick it under the sink because at that point you don't want to go in the shower with it because the water's too unruly. So just stick it under the sink and shampoo and dry and style. And it's like the best um, style extender for your hair. Never heard of it. Yeah, if you don't have time to wash. Shane, do you have any like men's beauty secrets? Men's beauty secrets? Hmm. Men's beauty secrets. It's a good man beauty secret. I just got you something for Christmas. Have you used it yet? The beard hair catcher? I've noticed. I used it once. You did? Yes. Okay, because I noticed some hairs uh, in the sink. Yeah, well, I had an emergency where I couldn't use it, but um, yeah, I used it and it worked, I think. Was it it. a nuisance? No. It was good. Beard hair catcher would be my recommendation. (laughs) Get your wife to get you one. Next question. Marriage and children and how to make a new normal. So. Vague. Vague. But I guess it's somebody that is maybe newly married, maybe wants to have kids or maybe has done those things and is just experiencing a kind of like a rebirth in a way, you know, in their relationship. Word this question and how you think they're asking it. Ask it to me and then I'll try to. Okay. Let me look at it. I think they're saying. I've just had children and now my marriage feels different. How can I adjust to this new normal? And I'm taking liberties here. So if that is not what you intended, please let me know. Right. So I think that when you're going through these phases, because it's so wild for both parents involved, like both. And that's something that, you know, Lindsay touched on in our interview too, about how not only female flamingos, but male flamingos after having a child they lose their pink pigmentation because of the stress of child rearing but eventually they get their pink back and they adjust to new life and they find themselves again through the process so i think it's just about making that time when everything's up in the air and you're learning how to be a parent you're learning how to be a co-parent with your spouse or your partner It's honestly the same things you're always going to hear no matter what point you're at in your relationship, but it's going to be things like communication, saying what you need, saying how your partner can better be there for you, saying what you need help with and being able to, I guess, just talk about those things freely. And I saw on another, um, oh, I forget who it was, somebody I follow on Instagram was saying that them and their husband have quarterly meetings so they keep lists of like goals they have for that quarter in the year and then you know goals as parents goals as a couple individual goals and then every quarter they look at their goals they look at what they did how they handled things whatever 
and they decide if they want to like change things going in the next quarter or continue to go how they're going. And it's just, it gives you a moment to like, it forces you to sit down with your partner and kind of rationally analyze every aspect of your life in a very business-like way to make your life easier and less stressful. And I think that's a really interesting way to do it. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I have nothing. (laughs) How did you adjust? How did I adjust? Yeah. When we had kids and everything like that, it was probably harder for you after having Betty because that's when, you know, we both had a kid on our hands, basically. I don't know. I guess just, you know, don't go out and drink alcohol as much. Not being hungover is good. Being as healthy as possible. Mm -hmm. Clear-headedness, I think, is underrated. Being healthy is underrated. Good diet's underrated. Mm -hmm. It all helps. Mental health is so important. Absolutely. And the last thing I'd say is, and this is something Shane and I have been saying for two years, but I recently saw since I started following her, one of matchmaker Maria's biggest things that she always talks about when somebody's struggling with intimacy, like with their longtime partner, schedule sex. Put it on a schedule. Make it business-like. And then when you start to approach it, then the fun comes in. It feels natural, whatever. But schedule it. And I think that for a new couple who is maybe losing connection, not a new couple, but like a couple going through a new phase where you might be busy and tired and losing connection, scheduling that in could also be helpful. So if you're too busy, get busy. Get busy. Make it a part of your busy day. Getting busy. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Busy. You know what I'm talking about? Next question. Shane, you know what I'm talking about though? Get busy. Yeah. You know what that means? Have sex. Yeah. Uh, Shane, the last one's for you, baby. Mm. What's Shane's nine to five job and is he commuting into Toronto every day again? So, Yes, I'm commuting into Toronto every day. My nine to five job is commercial director. So I write and direct commercials, mostly brand partnership deals. So kind of similar to what I do with Alex when we have a brand partnership, except it's for television at my nine to five and for rest of my life with Alex, it's for the internet. And- we did say at the beginning that you are commuting in every day right now, but Shane, that's ending next week, right? I'm hoping so. Oh my God. Uh, doing a, a sketch show. We're in the editing phase right now. So that is consuming my life. I have been counting the minutes to next week when you're not going every day. I may go in every day next week. So let's oh count God. the minutes. Uh, probably the week after I won't go in. Every Jesus, Louises. Yeah. All right. Gotta do what we gotta do. Yeah, well, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate the five-star ratings, the infinite amount of comments you've been leaving every week, haven't you? No, you haven't. Get on it. Get on it. Uh, But thanks for listening to This This Family Family Tree Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 159.